3: This is No Credentials Required, powered by Belly Up Sports and a part of the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Corey Mansfield and Ryan McCarthy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of No Credentials Required. I'm your co-host, Ryan McCarthy. I recently appeared on the Down to the Wire radio show. It's part of the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It's hosted by Errol Marks and his co-host, Speedy Pete. He's the founder of Worldwide Sports Radio Network. They're based on Long Island, and they've got a lot of different shows. They're actually a partner with Belly Up Sports. And we got a chance to talk for a good, good 25, 26 minutes or so about uh, about sports, about the uh, NFL. We talked about the Jets and that what they're going to do for the future. And we, talked to some, uh, and I, we talked to some NHL as well. I'm a big Devils fan, so we talked about the Devils a little bit. So here's an interview. Really hope you enjoy it. I'll be back with our regular scheduled programming tomorrow have a regular shenanigans with Corey. So until then, here's the interview.
2: We are now talking to the host of Belly Up Sports around for the weekend, Ryan McCarthy. What's going on, Ryan? Gentlemen, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
3: I was listening to the uh listening to the show before I uh before I before you brought me on. And Errol, you're just you're on fire, dude.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you. I, well. You know what it is, Ryan? I, I can't stand. And I, a lot of these guys, they come on and they talk. I've been reading all over social media all day today about Tom Brady this and Tom Brady that. I, I understand that people think I hate Tom Brady. I think Tom Brady is a top five quarterback. I'm not going to argue that. But Tom Brady, year in and year out, it doesn't matter if he plays well or he plays terrible. If he wins, they give all the credit to Tom Brady, even if it's not Tom Brady. If he loses, oh, it's not Tom Brady's fault. It was the defense. It was the running game. It was this. They don't want to blame anything on Tom Brady.
3: Well, he is the patron saint of this era, so just want to let you know that. No, Did you guys see the way you try to high-five the referee, and the referee was like, yeah, this isn't New England, Tom. Stop that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, no, knowing the way the refs are to the Saints, they probably
2: would do it anyway.
3: <laughs>
2: it, to me <laughs> – I wouldn't be surprised if the refs actually helped Tom Brady win the game because we've seen this over and over again. And how many times have we seen Tom Brady actually high-five a referee in the middle of a playoff game? We've seen it quite a few times. I remember against the Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl he did that as well. So, I and that's just that's just me. I don't know. I'm not saying that uh there's some kind of uh uh, some kind of uh, what, what's inside, the, inside information yes, though, too. I, I, <laughs> I, I don 't know if there's something, but to me, a lot of people love Tom Brady and what Tom Brady You know who he is as a person, who he is as a football player, but Tom Brady wasn't the reason why they won the game. Tom Brady was a piece of why they won the game, but he wasn't the factor on why they won the game. So let me ask you, Ryan, how are you and your family doing with this pandemic? We're doing all
3: right. Uh, I I already work from home. I've been working. I work uh, a full time job with an insurance company, so I've been working from home for uh, roughly six years. So I wasn't too affected at all. Uh, I've had other family members who had to start working from home. My my parents, who are in their sixties and seventies respectively, they're doing all right. They're hanging in there. Uh, Just we're just waiting. We're just counting down the days until things are back to a. To where they where they were before. Like I want to be. I want to be at the ice. I want to be the ice rink taking pictures of of hockey games or watching hockey games and enjoying a beer and a hot dog at uh, <laughs> a, a, a baseball game. You know
2: that's why. That's where I want to be this year. That's where I want to be. We are talking sure you guys the same way. Absolutely. We are talking to the host of Belly Up Sports around the weekend, Ryan McCarthy. So Ryan, I want to know what your thoughts were. What what game stood out to you this weekend? And what what game is going to stand out to you in the uh, AFC and NFC title game?
3: Well, the one game that stood out to me, and, and I was watching it a lot, and I was watching the uh, pretty much watching the entire game was the it was the Browns Chiefs. That was the most interesting because when you saw Mahomes go down, the the, di- the dynamic changed instantly. Uh, I thought the Chiefs missed some chances to end the Browns. Uh, very very early and i think in the right before halftime they got the they have the turnover and mm-hmm. uh and you know the the they drive down the field no they force a field goal right. they drive down the field they don't get the touchdown they get the field goal i thought if they got a touchdown and they got that touchdown to the pick six that was game over right I and mean, that was that was and you had to play you don't have to play as uh as desperate as they did at the end uh but when Mahomes went down that just that just flipped the script Mm-hmm. Flip the script and give the give the Browns some hope and they got the running game back, which I, I was kind of wondering why they kind of went once went away from it, unless mm-hmm. they're bread and butter.
0: Yeah, I actually picked the Browns on the upset. So, it was very close. I just couldn't get the final stops at the end of that game. Now, sticking with the Chiefs. Um with are you concerned maybe that they played not necessarily, maybe either played down to them or didn't look as good as they should have against the Browns? Even in the times without with Mahomes in the game, they were settling for field goals a lot more than usual. Harrison Bucker missed an extra point and a field goal, which is very bizarre think, for him. Yeah,
3: hit the, up, hit the upright. Yeah. Right. I mean, um I wouldn't say it was it was the Chiefs playing down to the Browns. I would say the Browns we elevated their game. Uh, they had a lot of momentum coming into the last couple of weeks, and that game against Pittsburgh where they just absolutely hit their lunch to them uh, to Big Ben and and the rest of the Steelers. That kind of gave them motivation. to Say, hey, we can we could probably go all the way. And unfortunately, they didn't. That's uh, too bad because it's too bad because, uh, too bad because uh, you know, I've got a lot of fan- friends who are Cleveland fans and. Uh, they were all disappointed that they couldn't uh, they couldn't get to the the championship but I you know, i thought I thought I thought the browns played a, a more elevated at a more elevated uh, level than a lot of people thought give them credit for
2: Ryan, when you look at the football playoffs and these games are we talk about the wild card weekend that's the best week of football now the divisional games was Was this a fun divisional week? I I, I really was expecting a lot more exciting games. A lot of these games were not exciting. A lot of them were blowouts, a matter of fact. I mean, the Buffalo Bills blowing out Baltimore. uh, Green Bay blowing out the L.A. Rams. Kansas City looked like they were going to blow out Cleveland until they came back. That was the most exciting game. And then Tampa, I don't know what, this game was the worst game of the week. The, The game that everybody thought, I mean, this was a headlining game on Sunday night, and this was probably the worst game out of all of them. Were you surprised that the games weren't as exciting as they usually are?
3: Initially, I did, uh, especially with Green Bay, Los Angeles. Uh, I expected the Rams to play a little closer. I know Aaron Donald had some had some injury concerns coming into the game; he was very limited. Uh, I thought the Rams were going to. With, I, I can't understand the Rams like with their quarterback situation. Uh, Jared Goff's basically playing with half a thumb, <laughs> trying to throw the ball, uh, and trying to get their running game going, but they can't seem to. And after that, after that first touchdown by the by the Packers, where where that a beautifully designed play by by Matt LaFleur right. with uh, Rodgers throwing to Adams and just absolutely beating the brakes off of Ramsey and Ramsey just having a temper tantrum on the side. <laughs> you know, it was game over from there. You know, I, 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 as soon as I saw that and that I saw the Packers driving on the field for the second touchdown, I said, you know what? no watch a hockey game <laughs> this game's over
0: so you're you're a big jets guy and the jets have made a lot of headlines recently with their new coaching hire oh robert you sala. don't know how
3: happy i am about this about this I, about you this don't game. know how
0: happy i am that yeah. you're a jet fan <laughs> <laughs> so explain your uh your happiness of the hiring of robert sala and do you think he was the best coach they could have gotten
3: you know i before yeah, you know, while I was also on I was on a Jets podcast, uh, exclusive Jets podcast, it was called Downtown Jets. Uh, Dan Goldstein, my co- former co-host, shout out to you if you're watching. Uh, we came up with our top three picks for head coaches, and we both had the consensus that Matt Campbell from Iowa State was our number one guy. Hmm. I think I think a lot of Jets fans, I hope a lot of Jets fans had him in mind too. But mm-hmm. written the reports that he was, he's. he's no, I'm not interested in the pros pros right now. I completely understand. You know, we also had the enemy. We also had. Arthur Smith. Mm-hmm. We we kind of had Robert Slay as an afterthought, but then you saw the Jets. Okay, they brought him in for a first interview. Great, they brought him in for a second interview. And then you see him go to Philly for an interview. And you say, okay, you got you got to do something, guys. You got to you got to make him an offer. You got to make him a, make him an offer. And as soon as I as soon as I made the offer and he accepted in principle, I was ecstatic because because this means that I, I won't have to enter every week for like to have the last two years. And wanting to put my head through a wood every time Adam Gase makes a really bad call, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure most Jets fans feel the same. And read more about Soleil and who he's bringing in, what kind of a guy he is, and what kind of a what kind of a character he is. Uh, I I just I have hope. I feel encouraged for the first time as a Jets fan, and I can't tell you how long. Now I was listening. I was listening along to I uh, was uh, Weapons Hot last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, solid solid job by those guys. They had a really good analysis. They had. They're also very entertaining, too. Uh, I mean, most Jets fans are, Errol yourself included. So, <laughs> so they had a lot of good breakdowns about, about Saleh, who they're going to keep, who they're going to punt. I guess keep and punt is their big thing. <laughs> yeah. um, but you know, I think a lot of Jets fans have a lot of hope right now.
2: Well, I, I, I knew that Saleh was going to get the job because he did a Zoom conference uh, with Joe Douglas. And then they called him in. He was in his office for about eight hours and he left. And a lot of people said, well, if the jets let him leave, he's probably not going to get the job. Salah was waiting for the urban Meyer thing to fall. When urban Meyer signed with Jacksonville, 10 minutes later, Robert Sala signed with the New York jets because Mm -hmm. the number one team that everybody wanted to go and coach was Jacksonville because of the whole Trevor Lawrence sweepstake. Everybody Mm -hmm. knew about it. And, and with the draft stock that they have, they have 11 draft picks this year. And um the the money that they have this off season, they have over eighty million dollars that they spend, which is the most in the NFL, and the Jets have the second most. A lot of people thought that Salah wanted that job. When when Urban Meyer fell to Jacksonville Every, I, I knew, and I told everybody, I told all the Jet fans, don't worry, everybody, I was on two radio shows, two FM shows when they asked me, who do you think is the next head coach in the New York Jets? I said, hands down, it's Robert Sala. I'm, I'll be very surprised before the end of the week he doesn't sign with the New York Jets. What happened the day after? He signs with the New York Jets. So... I'm I'm very excited with Robert Sala. I really am. I like the fact yeah. that he's bringing Lafleur in, uh, who a lot of people is an up. And, a lot of people say is an up and coming offensive coordinator, uh, that, and he'll probably be there for maybe one or two years, and then he'll get a head coaching job. and yeah. And and the stories that are coming out that the Jets are looking to possibly bring in, um, what's his name again from the old Cowboys, the cornerback coach uh Chris Richard. Um, Chris Richard. that's what I'm hearing right now. It looks like Chris Richard might be getting the job as a defensive coordinator for the Jets. So you have two really young, uh, you know, offensive and defensive coordinators and you have Robert Sala, who's a very young guy too. Uh yeah. very
3: younger he, than me. That's the I'm 43, he's 41, so that's just that's, it's uh it's interesting to see that like all these coaches are younger than me. It's just I feel old.
2: <laughs> well, I feel old too. I'm 38, so I'm getting there too. But uh, hey,
3: hey, yeah, but you're I'm, only as you're only as old as you feel. I, I I'm prefer to well, be to uh be like a, be kid be a child be kind of a be kind of a big big kid at heart. So
2: well, you know, yeah, you, you know, but, I, I got the, one of the biggest uh panty droppers over here, and then you have me, <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, we have uh, we have a lot of things. But as you guys know, we are talking to the host of Belly Up Sports around the weekend, Ryan McCarthy. Now, Ryan, you are a hockey fan, too. And yep. uh, what I heard, you know, through the grapevine is that you're a Ranger fan. Am I right? No, I'm a New Jersey Devils fan. Oh, I'm sorry. You're a Je- Devil fan. So um, okay. So the beginning of the season, uh, last week, the beginning of the season was Wednesday. Um, the New Jersey Devils are playing good hockey right now. They really are. They, yeah. They've been in every single game. Uh, you you're see Jack Hughes slowly but surely develop. You have some of the young players that they have. Um, what are your thoughts with the Devils, and, and where are your, what are your thoughts this year in the division that the Devils are playing in?
3: Well, it's the, definitely the toughest division in hockey. That's for sure. Uh, it's, the mo- it's the most – and, and the, the beauty about being in the East is that you don't have to travel as much as you do have the other divisions. With the Canadian division, you have to travel all three time zones to get to where you're playing. Uh, the Pacific, the West division, you have got to travel three time zones. Central, two time zones. But with the but with the East division, it's it's based north. It's northeast based teams. And the farthest south <laughs> you gotta go is Washington. The farthest west you gotta go is Buffalo. So everybody's regionally you know, not that too far apart. Um, there's gonna be a, you get the old rivalries like with the Patrick division. You still got the Philadelphias and the Washingtons and the and the and the uh, Rangers and the Islanders, but then you got the the, the Sabers and the Bruins, and the, and the Bruins got announced as one of the teams to play in the East. That whole thing flipped. I mean, Bo- Buffalo, not Buffalo, Boston mm-hmm. uh, became basically the team to beat. And the Devils played them the first two games. You know, I, I had a little bit of concern because Boston's just they're Boston. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Bruins have been the Bruins the way they've been the last. They played the last ten years. They've been to three Cup finals. Uh, they've won one. And You know, they still they still have a lot of those guys around from the 2011 team. Uh, they're just a little bit older, uh, a little bit, you know, a little bit older, a little more experienced than you know, a lot of the Devils. I mean, most of these, most of these, most of the Devils were wet behind the ears right, before, <laughs> right when the when the Bruins were winning their first Stanley Cup in 2011. Uh, so, you know, watching the first two games. Uh, now I finally have MSG on uh, on uh, Fubo. <laughs> I can finally watch Devils <laughs> games. It's been a while. But the, watching the first two games, I've, I've noticed a couple things. The first thing they push—they push the pace. The team is fast. The team is very fast. They're—they're they're young. I mean, they're they get some little experience in there, but they're fast. They push the pace. They're gonna put pressure on the opponent. Uh, the fact they got three out of four points against Boston to start the season—it it, it should tell doubles. It should give doubles fans a lot of hope. And the one thing I really. Have a, I'm kind of nitpicking here, but their power play, their offer for the season. Yeah, you know, I want I, I want to see them shoot the puck more than the power play. I know Mark Brecky was brought in as an assistant to help with the power play. Uh, so you no, know, I mean they got 50 more, 54
0: more games to go. Uh, that shouldn't be too much of a concern. So the two number one picks, obviously Jack Hughes being the big name, but also Nico Heischer, um mm. What? Do you, what? How do you think they will develop this season under under Lindy Ruff and? with Heisher specifically, cause obviously Hughes is a great prospect. We know that. Yeah. Um, is, is it kind of like a fringe type of guy? Cause he has really struggled so far the first three years and Hughes, what kind of belief can you see? Because we know the potential that he has.
3: Yeah, I, I know Heisher is not playing right now. He, he had a, he suffered a, uh, an off ice leg injury before, before training camp. So he hasn't played yet. I, th- I think they expect him to play either this week or the following week. Uh, but Hughes, I've been really impressed by him. And I expected him to have a bounce back here. Uh considering this last season was kind of a disappointment for his rookie season. He only scored 21 points in in uh what 66 games. Uh had a little bit of a disappointment. But it was his first year. You're, you're gonna you're gonna struggle on your first year in the league, no matter how how good you were. You're the number one pick in the league. Okay, you're still gonna struggle. I mean, mm-hmm. it's that's that's just it's growing pains. Mm-hmm. It's growing pains in Italy. But from what I understand, he he built a lot of muscle. He, he became stronger, and it was evidenced in the first two, couple couple games. He has three. He's got three assists in his first two games, and he's 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 possessing the puck. Uh, you know, the, one of the interesting factoids from uh, from Saturday's game. I think the first two periods, uh, he had the most ice time. He hit the puck the longest in the Bruins off the, in the Bruins zone in the Bruins defensive zone. So when the devils are on offense and he's on the, he's on the ice, he's going to have the puck the most. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that's that Lindsay, that Lindy Ruff uh, has predicated in his, in his, in his, uh, in his, in his teams and his systems is puck possession. And we you have your best player on the ice and he has the pocket, he has the pocket the most out of anybody on the ice. Things are going to happen. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm really excited that to see his development uh, again, three, three assists in two games. Uh, I just need to start th- scoring some goals, and you know, you know, he sure comes back. And think I think the Devils are on the up and up now. I don't know if you guys watch. Did you, did you? Either you guys watch Saturday's game at all, or catch the highlights? I didn't see it.
2: Are you talking about the Devils game, Devils, bro. Yes. Yeah, I watched the game.
3: Okay, so the one guy I'm high on, and I think after this game, after this game, everybody, else, every Devils fan should see more of, is Yegor Sh- Sh- uh, Sharangovich. He scored the game-winning goal. He
2: don't ask he me to want. pronounce his name because I'm very bad. I, at I just,
3: I just did, I just did your homework for it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be me,
3: <laughs> but with he being out of the lineup? He's being inserted as a top six forward. And this is a guy who the doubles were very high on during training camp. He earned a spot. He was, a, he was on the first line uh, of, of, of Saturday's game and the scoring touch he had at the end of the game, less than two seconds left. He scores a game winning goal. That, that showed you a lot about, uh, about Lindy Ruff's uh, faith in this in this kid. He's not even twenty one years old, and and he gets the game winning goal. He's very confident. He's a fast he's a fast skater. He can shoot the puck. Yeah, and, he, and again, he's super super confident. And when he's shooting, and he's playing he's
2: playing a top six forward. We are talking to the host of Belly Up Sports around for the weekend, Ryan McCarthy. Now going on to a little baseball. Uh, the New York Mets make one of the biggest trades uh, in, in a very long time. When, it, when we talk about the New York Mets, it's not the coupon Mets anymore. It's uh, Stevie Cohen's New York Mets. What were your thoughts when you heard that Francisco Lindor and Carrasco were going to get traded for practically a bag of balls? Were you surprised that the, the Mets made a trade like this? And, and where do you see these two players moving forward uh, are going to be as a New York Met?
3: Uh, I wasn't surprised at all. Uh, Uncle Stevie, Uncle Stevie is opening up the checkbook, and he's willing to spend some money to make this team a contender. Uh, I, I have another podcast with Belly Up Sports. It's called No Credentials Required. My co-host uh, Corey, uh, if he's watching, uh, we discussed in the last episode about this trade. I mean, we talked about it a lot, and uh, Lindor and Carrasco. You know Carrasco, they, they he gives the Mets another arm, uh, especially with you know, you, you've got. Four really good pitchers. You got the Grom, who's your ace. You got uh, Simergard, who's coming back this year. You got uh, Strowman. and now you've got Carrasco, uh, who who has playoff experience, knows how to pitch in the playoffs, and you can be a difference maker. Now Lindor gives the Mets more offense. You're not going to rely have to rely on Pete Alonso all the time for the big bat to get a, a, a home run at a, at a timely in a timely fashion. Now you have Francisco Lindor, uh, another big bat who can who can who can bring in, who can drive in runs, uh, and I guess he's pretty solid defensively too. Uh, from what I understand, uh, he's, he's still in his I think his late 20, mid late twenties.
2: Lindor Lindor is you know, twenty seven years old.
3: He's twenty seven. Okay, mm-hmm. so he's his late twenties. I think if he can prove that he can play at the same level in New York in Queens as he did back in Cleveland. I think he's earned himself a nice hefty contract uh, next, next He's going to
2: earn it no matter what. He's getting a $300 million contract no matter if he plays well or he doesn't. If he doesn't get it from the Mets, he'll get it from somebody else. Somebody yeah. is going to give him $300 million. He's one of the top seven, top eight uh, players in the major leagues. He's going to get a lot of money. He's going to get yeah. a lot of money. Yeah. So you
0: being a Yankees fan, um, there are a lot of Yankee fans that were complaining that the Mets did get Francisco Lindor and – I mean it's not an obvious need with the offense because the Yankees offense has a lot of talent on it. But would you have considered maybe trading for Francisco Lindor if you knew that Cleveland was also packaging don't Carrasco, say yes. don't packaging you say Carrasco yes. in the deal where the Yankees <laughs> have been seeking starting yes. pitching?
3: <laughs> no, I, I think I think the Yankees I, I think the Yankees have a lot on their farm system that that they're they're waiting for those kids to come up as soon as a lot of these other guys uh, either get traded away or they leave for free agency. I, I don't I I I, I think the Mets were. I just have the feeling the Mets were going to get a hole for all. I mean, if the Yankees got them, you know, whatever. You no, know, they, they have a lot of prospects that can deal for them. But I, I think I think the Yankees have enough already. They got, they've got, uh, they've got. They, they signed, resigned Lemahu. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Yeah, you know, uh, the crisis averted there.
2: <laughs> yes, DJ LeMayhew was a big part of this offseason. If the Yankees did not sign DJ LeMayhew, that it would have been a lost. Uh, off season, they they signed DJ Lemayu. They probably re, redid the whole when it comes to the salary cap. I mean, just think about it. The Yankees overpaid a lot of players in the old in the olden days. They did. Uh, George Steinbrenner. Now you look at the the complete change because of COVID nineteen and the money situation. They they really changed the the whole circle of what you're going to pay guys. They they gave yeah. them more years, less money on the top. Yeah, they had a bargain. So, Six, six years, $90 million to a guy that won a batting title who was one of the top three, top four players in baseball for the last two seasons. In my eyes, they stole him. And and to me, when you look at DJ LeMay to Francisco Lindor, I mean, who would you rather want? As a Yankee fan, not just not being a Yankee fan, as a person that loves baseball— Anybody will tell you, DJ LeMayo is a better all-around hitter than Francisco Lindor. I'm, I, I want DJ LeMayo. That's what I want. Even though Lindor is the younger guy and he's the shortstop, uh, both guys are sensational defensive players, and and both guys are very good hitters. But DJ LeMayo has proven that he can hit in the playoffs, and Lindor hasn't yet. So we have to see Lindor Lindor do it consistently in New York. We have already seen DJ LeMayo do it in New York. So. Mm. That's going to be the secret to what Francisco Lindor, if he wants to put himself on a pedestal, uh, as uh, one of the best baseball players in New York, well, he's got to do it in New York. And if he doesn't do it in New York, New York, and we've seen a lot of great players come here in New York and couldn't solve, uh, for some reason, the New York fans. They couldn't solve it. We've seen pitchers, we've seen hitters, uh, guys that were good everywhere else, but they come here to New York, but for some reason they can't hit New York. Especially Mets free agent outfielders. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> I mean, we'll see what Francisco Lindor does when when he's under pressure playing in New York and the Mets go on a slide... Where they they lose three or four games in a row, and 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 Met fans are going to be on him because he's not hitting the ball. That's when yep. we see who Francisco Lindor is and how he can take the pressure being in New York. Because you know, and I know as a New York fan that mm-hmm. the press will feast on him if he doesn't. This oh, isn't absolutely. Cleveland. This isn't Cleveland. Nope
3: i I definitely i, I agree. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what Lindor does. And and coming up in the in the regular season, uh, spring training starts. It uh, starts next month. Uh, I'm I'm pretty excited for spring training to come along. I mean, I've got hockey season, but you know, it having spring training, it's that expectation of of like, hey, spring's right around the corner. Here comes baseball. And, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what Lindor does. Does he does he wilt under the pressure? Like a lot of these other 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 ball players have done in the past. I mean, it, it, as you said, Errol. New York's a, the biggest – it's the biggest market in the United States, a media market in the United States in terms of sports, arguably the world. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but, yeah, I, I'm going to be fascinated. That's going to be one of the biggest storylines and one of the biggest narratives coming into the coming into the season is whether or not Lindor – and even Carrasco. Yeah, Carrasco's uh,
2: – Carrasco's the, the, the guy that in that trade that was probably the best part of the trade. You getting a starter as good as Carrasco who's really a number two he was the number two for Cleveland all those years uh, behind uh, Kluber uh, he, he was the second guy and now is going to the Mets where he's the third or fourth guy. So that bodes well for the Mets when they get Noah Syndergaard bats. I mean that pitching staff is going to be stacked they're going to be a dangerous team especially when you're in a division with the Braves who are a very yeah. dangerous team. So absolutely, the Mets absolutely. are in a very good position. Before we let you go, my friend, why don't you yes. tell the fans how they can find you and how they can listen to your show on Belly Up Sports? Okay,
3: so I've got two shows. Uh, as, you, as I mentioned before, I've got no, Around for the Weekend, which is most which is every Friday at six thirty p.m. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. You can find it on Facebook, on Twitter uh, slash Periscope, on YouTube. Uh, just search for Around for the Weekend. Uh, you can also listen to my podcast. No credentials required. We drop episodes every Wednesday or every Thursday. Uh, you can find a round for the weekend. You can find at Belly Up AFT AFTW. Uh, that's the Twitter account. Uh, no credentials required is Belly Up NCR. If you want to just have a chat, if you want to chat with me casually as a sports fan, you can find me on Twitter at Who Is Ryan MCC. And I just want to let you know one of the biggest, one of the, uh, the the key components of my show is that I pick a beer and I drink it along. It's like it's like sitting sitting in a bar, <laughs> sitting in a sports bar, you know. With COVID, you can't really sit at a sports bar and just have a drink with somebody. So, what I usually do is I grab my mason my mason jar, which is my I call it my co star, and I you know I feature a local beer or New York beer, which I'm going to drink right now. It's a uh, wrench from Industrial Arts. It's a uh, northeast India pale ale. They're, they're <laughs> located right by Harrison, I right exit 16 of the thruway. So.
2: So you that's know what you one. do? You you do it with you do it with beer. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bring soap on this show. I'm going to have all different kinds of soap and whichever one everybody <laughs> likes to smell, I'm going to put it in a bag and beat Speedy with it. And that's what we'll do on <laughs> we'll do that on live radio. <laughs> you guys get to pick On what kind of soap I beat Speedy with. What do you think, Speedy? You like that? I don't know how that correlates at all, but
3: okay. (laughs) But I know how it correlates, Speedy. You get to
2: choose
0: the sock. (laughs) That's true, too. (laughs) Not worth it.
2: (laughs) And you get to smell it, too, even if it's on my feet.
0: Uh, (laughs) Also, not worth it.
2: (laughs) Ryan, thank you for coming on. We definitely want to get you back on the show. Uh, We really appreciate you joining us.
3: Gentlemen, Errol, Speedy. Keep listening.
2: Keep listening to the show tonight. We're going to have a lot of fun with our next guest, and I'm sure you're going to hear some crazy outlandish things uh, moving forward on this show.
3: Awesome. Looking forward to it,
2: gentlemen. Thanks again. Enjoy your beer, my friend. Enjoy the beer.
3: intro and outro music is on the verge by joseph mcdade check out his music and support him on patreon at patreon.com forward slash joseph mcdade thank you for listening to no credentials required powered by belly up sports and a part of the belly up sports podcast network for more articles and podcasts visit bellyupsports.com
2: thank you for listening to this belly up sports podcast network product Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and
1: we're still here.